This is Talk of the Town on Magic 590 and 100.5. I'm Bob Cudmore. Joining us is Sarah Foss, news columnist for the Daily Gazette newspaper. I'll call our first uh, foray into topics, uh, Sarah, the baby. Yes. <laughs> As your readers know, you and your husband now have a baby boy. First we off, do. How's he doing? He's doing well. He's uh, He's been a pleasure for the most part. Um, good-natured. I feel like we sort of lucked out. He sleeps pretty well, doesn't cry too much. So, so you're doing well, and you and your husband are doing okay? Yeah, and... we're doing okay. Of course, yeah. you know how it is. You're tired. Yeah. <laughs> um, and your first column, you were on maternity leave, and yep. your first column dealt with the, the baby. And, well, let me ask you about maternity leave. We now have – so I haven't been in this situation, you know, of having children for a long time. There's paid maternity leave now as a law, for a government law? There's paid family leave. And I should clarify, I didn't have to use um, the paid family leave that was um, – put into, I guess the legislature passed that, not this year, but the previous mm. year, um, because my company, I had been there long enough, I could take the time off through their disability mm-hmm. um, policy. But uh, if I hadn't been there that long, yes, there's now paid family leave. Money comes out of our paychecks each week so that when you go on leave, you can have not your complete paycheck, but a portion of it. Um, I think 55% to start off, and then you can stay home and be assured you'll still get uh, get some money. So, is there a, a time limit? I mean, how many? There is a time limit. I don't recall what it is. I think it's pretty standard um, amounts of time, like the eight weeks. You know, mm-hmm. it probably is different if you've had a cesarean section. You would want to take more time off to recover. And the general point of your column is you're, you're taking a look at how. Uh, women fare in uh, after the birth of a baby, you know, integrating themselves back into life, if you will, uh, and uh, also their their husbands. Um, and I don't know, you you were very appreciative, you said, of of things that were done for you, for yeah. example, by friends. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm sure you might remember. It's you feel like it's difficult to do basic things like cook a meal, or you're just trying to figure out your routine with the baby. So to have um, to have people who can help by just bringing over food or offering to pick something up from the store makes a huge difference. We had a relative set up a website for us where people could sign up to bring us meals during the week. And really? Yeah. And I mean, it was great. I mean, it was great because you got the food, but I also feel like, you know, having a baby in January, it can be a bit isolating Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like people don't want to, they don't want to bother you too much. And this was a way to ensure that, you know, people, people did stop by with this food, which I found the visits just as valuable as, uh, as the food really. Mm. Yeah. But, but now you know, you're back to work and, you know, th- and that's a whole other issue. The, the baby is, is somewhere else right now. Right. Obviously. He's at daycare. <laughs> right. so. so, yeah. And I mean, he's, he's doing well with daycare. You know, he's still young enough i think um you just hand him off and he's he's he doesn't their brains don't i think it'd be harder if he was a little older to start daycare like he would be mm-hmm. more conscious of the fact that he missed us during the day mm-hmm. you know he's happy to see us but i don't i think he goes there and he takes his naps and people are nice to him and he has no he has a decent time and of course he'll be growing up 
and uh, one of your, your recent columns uh, dealt with the concept of free-range parenting. Oh, yes. W- yeah. what, is, what is that? Well, it's sort of this notion um, that parents should be able to allow their children to walk to school on their own or go to the library on their own or just have sort of uh, some independence as children without, you know, the police kind of knocking on the door to suggest that they're neglecting their child. Mm-hmm. That, you know, and and this is sort of how how I grew up. So the, you know, the shift where it's become more unusual, I think, for children to say, walk to school or walk down sure. the street or play outside on their own without an adult um, standing nearby to to watch them. You know, that it's sort of this, you know, growing movement to kind of return to to some of that. I mean, and to find a way to put it into, I mean, I guess Utah just passed a law protecting free-range parents, you know, to try to make a distinction between when is a child really being, you know, neglected and mm-hmm. when is a child kind of running around outside with their friends playing in a park, and they're not neglected. Mm-hmm. They're, you know, doing something nurturing and enriching. Well, the one example I, I saw of, you know, how going too far, if you will, I don't know if it was in your column, was this mother in Ogdensburg, who her 12-year-old son was playing street hockey, you know, by himself somewhere. And I don't know why that's a problem, but... Right, it's not they, a problem. I think there's a there's a law in that town that you can't play you know street you know games in the street she was trying to make the case like of course there're streets where this is inappropriate like we wouldn't want kids trying to play re- street hockey on route 7 but you know some of these side streets where people live where i think at one time it wasn't unusual for them to you know maybe set up a basketball hoop and kids would clear out of the way if a car came down it you know these little used kind of residential streets i you know, and again, I haven't been to Ogdensburg to see where she lives, but I think that's what she was trying to make a case should be acceptable. And in any way, uh, an area assemblyman, uh, Phil Steck, has proposed the, this, a law like Utah's for Yeah, I think, he's, I think it's in the works. I don't think it's officially oh, yeah. been okay. proposed, but he's talked about it, yeah, to do something here to protect um, free-range parents. Let's uh, go to another uh, a topic, very serious one in uh, Schenectady. Uh, the Schenectady Building Codes. The county grand jury and district attorney filed a report that said that the city fire department had found multiple problems with the J Street apartment complex, which was across from City Hall, but the city department, the codes department, took no action. And the fire department report actually predicted that this could be fatal to people, and that turned out to happen. Uh, there was a fire, four people died. Um, what What's being done about this in Schenectady? Well, I know that they, um, they say they're making an effort to um, inspect the multi-unit buildings, the apartment buildings, and part of that is because the state comptroller also looked at codes and found fault with... Um, the system for making sure that these apartment buildings in the city were, you know, well-maintained and up up to code. So I know they've made an effort. They say they made an effort to get out to all those apartment buildings and do inspections and presumably address, you know, notify property owners if there's a problem with their property. Um, but, you know, there's so many buildings in the city that could use some attention. So it's going to be a long process of trying to get to each and every one of those 
one of those buildings. But the focus has been the multi-unit apartment buildings um, because, you know, that's the type of building the J Street building was mm-hmm. with a lot of a lot of tenants um, impacted by that by that fire. And there's been there's a new um, there's new people in that yeah, department too. Yeah, there's new people in that department. There's a new um, public safety commissioner who's taken an interest in it. Um, there's uh, Jack Falvo, a police sergeant, has been sort of put in charge of it, and a new chief building expe- inspector. And so supposedly this is supposed to be a good a good team that's been given you know kind of a directive to to improve the codes department. Mm. Yeah. Yes, and but, but again, when the story first came out, it just seemed so. I mean, what what were they thinking? I mean, the, the fire, the fire mean, department yeah. said to do this, and they didn't. Right. Really I mean, it's there was sort of this. They thought it was an advisory thing. They didn't have to do it, but I mean, if you look at the grand jury report, it's pretty uh, damning. I would say they received like a dozen. I mean, not just one or two, but twelve. I think. Um, you know, messages from the fire department suggesting there was a problem with this building. I mean, what happened was really, I think, the w- worst case scenario from the from the city's perspective that they were warned, you know, a dozen times that you know if there was a problem at this building, you know, there it could result in fatalities. And I mean, that's exactly what what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it it's in you know it's inexcusable, but I mean, you do have to move forward and yes, be like, well, what are we yeah. what are we doing now? I mean, whether it opens the city up to any liability is a different, you know, that's a different question. Now, I believe you live in a different city, but mm-hmm. you uh, talked about in your column that uh, in, in uh, it's Albany, right? Yeah, I uh, live in Albany. Uh, the, um, you, you had a code inspection and they found one little thing wrong. And right. Yeah, what was it? What was wrong? It was, uh, well... As you know, we rehabbed an old house, and we have a first-floor apartment. And uh, the thing that was wrong was we had um, a our street number was the same color as the the paint on the exterior of the mm-hmm. house. It's supposed right. to be a contrasting color so that to make the number more visible. So that's an easy fix. We just painted painted it white, and then the house facade is painted green, and now you can see it more more easily. But yeah, I mean, when you do invite these people into your home, they will find these these little things which a conscientious person will make an effort to um to correct and you probably know as well as i do from just driving around you know the cities in the capital region you can f- spot all these buildings you know walking by that seem to have significant problems and it's like what is going on with them <laughs> mm. you know did you get a sense i mean when they told you to well you could paint a different color there was a penalty if you didn't do it, or they just... um yeah, I think so. I mean, we had, I mean, because it wasn't that big a deal. I mean, I don't want to yeah act like the you know we, we didn't have a decent dealing with codes. He was sort of like you know I I kind of trust you to to take care of this. We didn't mm-hmm. get the sense that he was going to be following up. Now maybe that's sort of you could be critical of codes like they should be following up whether we ever painted mm-hmm. our street number a different a different color. But I mean, I would hope they would reserve their energies for more uh, significant um, problems. Okay. You know. Well, let me go to another topic. A column you wrote. I've given it the headline: "Back to Pencils." Uh, there were problems <laughs> statewide with New York standardized tests, which has been very, which have been very controversial now for some years uh, for uh, students in uh, the public schools or all schools, I guess, in the state. 
Um, but anyway, there are a lot of problems with taking these tests via computer. What, what What's your take on that or expand on that? I mean, you, <laughs> my take has always been I don't know why it's so much better for students from a student perspective. I mean, maybe from a data aggregation standpoint, it's better to have all this test information available in one system. But from the student's perspective, the child's perspective, the teacher's perspective, I have not felt that it's like a great advancement to take a test on a computer. I mean, I don't think students probably get that much out of it. And, you know, you see what happened is they had all these problems. Even if they are corrected, I think you still have concerns about, you know, the potential for data breaches, which have happened with these testing companies and this testing company in particular. So I don't know that I think you're getting enough value from a computer-based test to make this something that needs to be prioritized. Like, mm-hmm. I don't I don't see anything wrong with just taking, yeah, a test with a pencil. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and, you know, my take on computers, I mean, going way back when they first came into businesses and such, you know, it, they didn't seem to work, they didn't seem to work, and all of a sudden they work, or, you know. Yeah, uh, uh, they work pretty well. Work pretty well, yes. But I think now we're concerned, let's say the, the even these state uh, tests in English and math, I mean, could there be hacking? Could they, I mean, right. All these other and things. I think, you know, there there could be. I think those types of risks tend to get downplayed. But, I mean, if you if you just look around, you begin to see examples of like, oh, there was a data breach or, oh, test results were mm. crashed in Tennessee or whatever happened there. I mean, I don't think – I guess I just don't have the same confidence other people might that Evan, these uh, systems always work as well as they were told they will. You uh, wrote a recent column about a woman who's much in the news these days, and that woman is Cynthia Nixon a well-known actress who's running for governor as a Democrat against incumbent Andrew Cuomo. You wrote she should develop a more defined upstate strategy, but you even said you expected her to do so. But what would that mean? I mean, I think it would just mean talking. I mean, it's fine to talk about these kind of statewide national issues. I mean, they're important issues. Should marijuana be legalized, education funding throughout the state? But, you know, Upstate is different from New York City. She's a city person, nothing wrong with that. And I think, you know, to speak to the concerns of people upstate would be a smart thing to do, but also just a, you know, a good thing to do, to talk more about kind of lagging job growth, um, you know, these pockets um, around here where there's been kind of a loss of the manufacturing jobs and we still haven't seen anything quite rise up to take its its place, I just, you know, addressing some of the issues upstate mm-hmm. um, and really acknowledging that there are different issues upstate than downstate. Mm-hmm. I don't know that that always gets acknowledged as much as it as it should. I mean, New York City is like a, a, an economic hub for America. Upstate New York, in a lot of places, it's a different picture. And I think I would like, living up here, I would like to hear more more from a candidate about about what we deal with up here day in and day out. What Governor Cuomo seems to have emphasized is uh, the, uh, you know, these big grants or Mm -hmm. state aid to this one and that one to start companies and and so forth. Yeah. I mean, as as I'm sure you know, I'm not a huge fan of that approach. Um, 
I mean, one thing I will say whenever they do the big grant awards is that a lot of the projects that they were award that money to, you know, they're good. They're good projects. It's more this kind of like throwing so much money at um, businesses and projects without a lot of um, looking back to see if it's actually generating the job growth right. that it's supposed to, which I don't think it really has, even if the projects might seem worthy when you look at them on on paper. And, and I think that's sort of the, still the question that's out there is like, what would a job growth policy look like for upstate beyond just like, here's X million dollars to this company and this town gets a thousand dollars to develop some trails. I mean, what does it mean to actually grow locally based sustainable jobs that will pay people well and, um, you know, reduce, you know, unemployment numbers in areas where they might be, be high. And I mean, I'm asking that question. I, I don't, I don't think we've had a very good answer mm-hmm. to it, but I do think we haven't seen enough focus on, you know, just sort of your small businesses that have been, that have been here for a long time. They're not new. They may not get that funding to start, start up or do something new. They're just, they've been here dealing with the, uh, you know, the the high taxes perhaps or the high cost of doing business we are always hear about. And it's how can we support local businesses more, you know, your sort of Main Street type of shops. Well, also balancing that with, you know, new businesses that want to come in and and do business here. So and, and also with all this public money floating around, it's caused corruption. Problems. Right. We've seen <laughs> corruption trials. So that's yeah. I mean, that's another <laughs> That's, you know, that's been another problem with it. It seems to have caused a certain amount of corruption. So, I mean, obviously that's not good. We only have a a minute left, but uh, you did a column on er, the Vale Urban Farm that's in the city of Schenectady? It's in the city of Schenectady. It's in um, Vale Cemetery, which is right in the city off uh, State Street. Um, large, Large cemetery, the farm really more of a garden, but they're adding chickens and they have rabbits, is it's not where the graves are, although you can you can see them from really? the farm. It's when you drive in the road off Brandywine Avenue, there's like a garden plot. Because um, Vale is one of those old cemeteries like Albany Rural or Oakwood and Troy where the idea was to have lots of kind of <laughs> natural Open. space to make it a nice um, natural place where people would enjoy going to visit, you know, their relatives and their plots. You've been listening to Talk of the Town on Magic 590 and 100.5. I'm Bob Cudmore. Our guest was Sarah Foss, news columnist for the Daily Gazette newspaper. This program will be available as a podcast on albanymagic.com and bobcudmore.com. Next Sunday's guest at 6.30 next Sunday morning will be Patrick Madden, the mayor of Troy.